I recently attended an online fair presentation by Dr. Karina Venter, PhD, RD, that's registered dietitian, and associate professor of pediatrics slash allergy slash immunology. Her presentation was entitled, Eat Up Baby. Her bio says she's focused on prevention, diagnosis, and management of food allergies for the past 20 years. She's researched how nutrition and other factors contribute to the development of allergies. As in, how does it actually happen? Welcome everyone to Dairy Free Dude. I am Logan Graham, and I'm here to talk to you about how to thrive in a world where dairy products seem to be as common as dirt. In her practice, Dr. Venter likes to support families in minimizing food restrictions to prevent food allergies and to help them work nutritional strategies into their lifestyle in the hopes of inducing tolerance for allergens. So we've heard about OIT, oral immunotherapy, SLIT, sublingual or under the tongue immunotherapy, and food desensitization studies. I'll do an episode on this topic in the future, but these studies are generally done on people who already have a developed food allergy in the hopes of biologically improving the patient's system so that they're not in as severe of danger and can also benefit from the nutrition in the foods they previously couldn't tolerate. You know, I wonder how these procedures are going forward in this season of COVID restrictions. There's probably more caution or restriction, I'd assume. The premise for this presentation by Dr. Venter was that food allergy development can possibly be prevented in vulnerable populations. <laughs> yeah. I had the same reaction. When I say vulnerable populations, I mean babies that might be at risk for developing food allergies due to hereditary genetics, plus one other factor I'll talk about in a moment. She said they found that the transmission of allergy DNA is greater if the mother has a history of food allergy. We've been told for years to avoid feeding babies and toddlers many foods in the hopes of preventing allergies, the big ones being peanut and egg. The current research is focused primarily on peanut and egg, so there's very limited data on the other allergens in the top nine lineup. But research is now showing that it actually might be the opposite of what was previously thought. Whoa! That feeding food allergens actually decreases the chance of developing a severe food allergy. This might be hard for many of us to grab hold of. After all, we spend our lives avoiding food allergens. Apparently, there is something about the gut biome that makes it a more tolerant immune system, meaning it doesn't freak out to the extreme over food allergens when faced with them. You know, when something lands in your stomach. Dr. Venter encouraged people to strategize for diet diversity, a variety of foods and food allergens, as causing a protective effect on the gut microbiome that would prevent food allergies. And once the food allergen had been introduced, presuming there wasn't a negative reaction, this food must be kept in the diet regularly. She had a very complex chart on how to incorporate these foods in the diet by quantity and frequency, but also stressed that the parents feeding the baby should not get completely enslaved by a food chart. A complicated feeding plan might be a lot to manage on top of everything else that comes with a new youngling, like diapers, naps, play, doctor visits, etc. Some people who start this do give up thinking it's too complex but it might be worth it to avoid a life that's inhibited by avoiding food allergens. Dr. Venter also tried to downplay any concerns about feeding food allergens in a household that contains another allergic family member. 
She talked about arranging feedings of the food allergens outside the home by other caregivers, and also about cleaning up after feedings. I have to be honest and say that the idea that you can completely eliminate, say, every trace of peanut butter after feedings so that another family member with a peanut allergy is completely safe is doubtful. After all, how many times have you seen a baby or toddler spit up, cram their hands in their mouths, and then touch something, sneeze with projectiles, spill on their clothes, etc.? Yeah, I would imagine that person in the household with a peanut allergy would feel somewhat or extremely nervous about being around their baby sibling, or even unsafe in their own home. Or what about if the parent who prepares the food for the baby is the one allergic? Personally, I enjoy having at least one space, my home, that's entirely safe from my allergens, where I don't have to think about safety and just be normal. The other interesting aspect of this presentation was that in addition to transmission of food sensitivity or predisposition for food allergy due to genetics, skin was also a major factor. You might have been hearing a lot about this lately too. Remember how we learned that the gut microbiome is a more tolerant immune system? Well apparently, the skin is not. It's not friendly when it comes to food allergens. No. In fact, it goes into a really bad mode when allergens enter through the skin and it launches an allergic response. So it turns out eczema seems to run in the same crowd as food allergies. Kind of like a bad group of friends. They found when food allergies enter through the breaks in the skin barrier, a fierce storm is triggered. Turns out I had a problem with eczema when I was really little although the medical community had not made the eczema food allergy connection yet. My parents wrestled to keep it under control with not much help from the doctor other than, here, try this ointment. They always said, your skin is your first line of protection. Keep it from being compromised. Turns out they were onto something. We found the best success with Aquaphor. A-Q-U-A-P-H-O-R. But I think doctors mostly prescribe some kind of steroid ointment or cream generally. So, in the end, it looks like the skin actually plays a major role in the possible development of food allergies. If you have a baby, or are about to, and already have a history of food allergies yourself, you might want to do a little checking into this idea of diet diversity as a protective or preventative measure. I left the link to Dr. Venter's webinar so you can watch it for yourself. And please, no home experiments. Remember my previous episode? Major moves like that need to be done in cooperation with medical professionals. This is Logan Graham, the Dairy Free Dude. Live on! <laughs>